Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. It is 10 minutes after 10 p.m. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Really, really do appreciate it. We're going to be speaking to William Bird, the Executive Director of Media Monitoring Africa. Uh, they're looking to join as amicus or at least to join the bid to force government to compel, to get the courts to compel government uh, to... Uh, effectively arrest Vladimir Putin if and when he arrives in South Africa next month. Henny Stratum also joins us. He's a professor of law, of international law at the University of Johannesburg. William, I want to start the conversation with you this evening. Welcome to the show. You would have found the first couple of paragraphs of the president's answering of ever David particularly important and fascinating, very specifically because it pertains to his argument around confidentiality, which for the most part, means that should the court have accepted it as a confidential document, which we now know they have not, uh, this is why they ordered the president to make it public, that we would not have been able to speak about this today and it would not have been able to be have been publicized by the media. We would not have known, uh, as we now know today, what the arguments were that were set out by the president. The president, amongst other things, William, argues that uh, the confident, the, the legal source of the confidentiality. It's not South African law, and it's not his own wanting, but it is a legal obligation that is embedded in the Rome Statute pertaining to the ICC Treaty, and that it is the law of uh, the rules of the ICC's procedures that all interactions where there has been a request for uh, cooperation. Uh, by the courts to a member state that all such communication should remain confidential. Uh, And it's true. It is, in fact, within the ICC's rules of engagement. Um, And but the court in South Africa was like, no, we don't we don't think that works here. We think that these documents and we think these 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 answering affidavits and all supporting documents should be made public. What was your making of that, William? Hi, good evening. Well, that's precisely why we wanted to enter the case as an amicus, because in South Africa we've got a very strong tradition as a democracy of promoting open justice. Um, You know, if you look at the constitutional court there, uh, the way it's designed from the, the symbol of it, of justice under a tree, it's not something that is meant to be exclusive. It's something that's meant to bring about sharing one of the first things that the, the Concord did, in fact, was produce media summaries precisely to make justice itself more accessible. They welcomed the media, you know. So, so right from the get-go, our whole approach has been to try and encourage openness and understanding of justice. And, of course, given our brutal yeah. past, we can understand why that's so important. So, essentially, we looked at this and we said, well, this is a case where you're trying to balance that principle of open justice against the the need for confidentiality. And our courts, you know, it's like they're blind to the fact that it says there aren't instances where you shouldn't have confidentiality because, of course, there are. If a child, you can't uh, reveal their identity. If, you know, if they're testifying, you can't have media there. So those are instances where that limitation can be placed legitimately. And so our argument was to say essentially a few things. One of them, though, was in relation to the clause you've just stated, because we've ratified and domesticated that, that Rome statute into our law, it has the same uh, status as, as any of our other laws, which means it's subject to our constitution and our yeah. constitutional principles. And there they say that unless you've got a legitimate reason to, you know, and under our Section 36 limitations clause, unless you've got a 
reasonable basis to limit it that's proportional and justifiable. Um, you know, you can't limit that. And, and obviously the three judges that heard this matter uh, yesterday came yeah. to the conclusion that, that, you know, that our argument was correct, that actually in this instance they don't need to be confidential, which isn't yeah. to say that if the facts had been different, they wouldn't have reached a different conclusion. Yeah. Henny, I want to bring in here, I want to read for you paragraph 13 to 15 of the president's uh, submission, right? Uh, He says, well, 12 to 15, the president says here, the International Criminal Court requires the fact of the request for cooperation to be kept confidential. There's been no relaxation of the requirements of confidentiality by the ICC. In terms of Article 87.3 of the Rome Statute, the the requested state shall keep confidential a request for cooperation and any document supporting the request except to the extent that a disclosure is necessary for the execution of the request. The president then says the DA's application is not a proceeding, is not a proceeding in execution of a request from the ICC. He then goes on to argue in paragraph 15 and says, given the dilemma posed by this application, which has been publicly launched and maliciously publicized by the Democratic Alliance, representatives of the government have asked permission to make public disclosures of certain matters concerning the case, but this has not been granted. Rather, the International Criminal Court has made it clear to the government, to the government that it may not disclose the fact of the existence of a request for cooperation from the ICC and that South Africa has initiated proceedings with the ICC in terms of Article 97 of the Rome Statute. I want to pause there for a minute. Considering what the Rome, what the, the rules of the ICC are in, in, in pursuant of Article, uh, Article 97, my apologies, 87 of the Rome Statute, the government may not make these things uh, public. That's what the ICC says. But William argues, and this argument won in court, that this doesn't supersede um, our principles of fairness and open justice in South Africa. Talk to me about what that legal adjudication is like. How does that work? How does the court determine on the balance of probabilities which way to lean when there are two conflicting laws, one being an international law and one being a domestic law? Well, I think one of the problems that the government sits with is, uh, and I think William mentioned that, is that it has implemented the Rome Statute by means of, of uh, you know, domestic legislation. Yeah. And that legislation is subject to the Constitution, but there, there's something else that I quite don't understand. And I haven't, uh, you know, seen all the facts and, and all the arguments. Um, I just uh, react to, to media statements yeah. on this issue. I cannot understand, uh, as as I understand the South African government's response at this point in time and concerning this case, is that it it wants to put forward certain reasons why it shouldn't um, arrest or can't arrest uh, Putin, President Putin, if and when he comes. So, and I can't understand what is so secret about that. Um, uh, if it, some of it is already in the, in, 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 uh, in the public eye. Um, and it's difficult for me to, to assess the, the justification of what the, um, the government relies on in trying to keep at least some of the arguments or some of the communication secret. Yeah. Uh, and it, is that part that it's a bit confusing to me? Yeah. Part um, of the argument, they say, is rooted in the principle 
that the confidentiality is there to protect the integrity of the procedure, uh, that it doesn't prejudice potential witnesses and doesn't impede on an ongoing investigation. Therefore, confidentiality is needed. They say that's the underlying principle that supports this argument. Yeah, that's exactly my point. Um, and as I, once again, to understand the South African government's response correctly, they now want to sort of put forward the case why they shouldn't or can't, um, can't arrest Putin. And it seems to me that uh, they're trying to use the confidentiality issue you just ran out to me in order to, to try and, and uh, actually misuse that in order not to make known what the actual reasons are for not uh, arresting Putin. Yeah. That's how I read it. I may be wrong. And I'm, I'm reading, I'm saying I'm reading this on the basis of very limited knowledge mm. about the substance of the arguments put forward by the government at this point in time. Mm. William, I, I, I'm going to read the exact uh, uh, um, confidentiality, uh, um, you know, clause to you pertaining to the ICC. And I, I want you to, in substance, respond to it in the way that you have in your papers. Uh, the the president argues here that in paragraph 10 that the Democratic Alliance is aware of this confidentiality regime. First, the ICC statement on the warrant of arrest, which grounds the DA's application, expressly indicates that the warrant of arrest is confidential. It recorded, and this is what it recorded in it, the chamber considered that the warrants are secret in order to protect victims and witnesses and also to safeguard the investigation. Nevertheless, mindful that the conduct addressed in the present situation is allegedly ongoing and that the public awareness of the warrants may contribute to the prevention of the further uh, commission of crimes. The chamber considered that it is in the interest of justice to authorize the registry to publicly disclose the existence of the warrants, the names of the suspects, the crimes of which the warrants are issued, and the modes of liability as established by the chamber. So there's parts that the chamber was comfortable uh, in disclosing and the parts that they weren't, as they start out by saying that they want to protect victims and witnesses and safeguard the investigation in the interest of justice. How then, William, do you balance the question around interest of justice against openness and transparency in our domestic setting? No, I mean, uh, as I've said, I think it's it's going to be on a case-by-case basis that that law would apply. So had it been, for example, that there was a fear that the warrant was against someone who was currently in South Africa and if there had been knowledge of that and it was publicly known that person may have fled the country or taken other steps to evade uh, capture and then then you may have had an, a reasonable argument to say well obviously this needs to be uh, confidential because we want to take you know the best steps to prevent it or if that person uh, you know, posed an, an imminent threat or, or danger to potential witnesses, bearing in mind that many of the kind of people that we're talking about that the ICC tends to go for are being accused of egregious human rights yeah. violations. You know, so it's not like these are, are, are necessarily simple white-collar crimes. They tend to be pretty mm. extreme, which I understand is the charges against, um, uh, you know, President Putin. So when you've got that, you say they they is a legitimate reason for some of these things to be confidential. And obviously, you know, not everything that occurs between governments and in police forces and yeah. all of these things, are they going to be willing to, to share that? And I think that that's broadly appropriate. 
at yep. the same time, given our issues, that when our president responds to this, for us to say, well, hang on a minute. If you, because if you accept, the, if you look at the converse and you say, had it been confidential, the conversation we'd likely be having now is, what's in that? What's in that uh, affidavit? Why is the mm. president refusing to make it public? Is it because they're being funded by the Russians? Is it because they're being funded by the CIA not to do it or to you know, appease the, the, the ICC? Or is it to challenge the ICC to you know, try and give President Putin a, 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 an escape route? Yeah. So you can see mm. that had the court gone and said, OK, we're going to leave this as confidential, the likelihood that conspiracy theories, rumors, and misinformation would have spread far more radically would be far more prevalent than the harm that they, that may cause against yeah. any possible harm of saying, well, hang on a minute, this is what the issues are. This is South Africa. We're not, you know, we're in a, a democracy that has very clear principles around open justice. We need to abide by those. Yeah. Unless you can show compelling and clear reasons as to why uh, as to why we shouldn't. And that's, you know, I think that that's a pretty compelling argument. Yeah. yeah. Uh, give us a call, 86 I'm also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614104107. Perhaps just in a quick minute, uh, Henny, what is the standing principle uh, around what the adjudication would be when there is a clear and direct conflict between international law and our domestic law, which legal uh, uh, regime takes precedence? Gener- well, we generally ruin, speaking, we have a rule in our constitution saying that we should actually, you know, um, interpret our own laws so that they are commensurate with our international obligations. That is a rule of uh, that we have used in the past, and it's now part of the South African constitution. So what does what does that mean in practice? That if we have a legal statute that uh, is not commensurate with international law, that it is considered unconstitutional. Yeah, it will be then uh, on uh, you know incumbent upon the courts to uh, to interpret that if possible, so that it is commensurate with our international obligations. Yeah. So, but it is, is it not possible? Uh, goes then then we need an amendment to that act. Yeah. I want us to get into the merit of some of the arguments about why the president says these orders should not be granted. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and get into that on the other side of this. 26 minutes after 10 p.m., you're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. We're discussing uh, the president's, um, well, at least the court order that's sent to the president, that he is answering affidavit and all supporting documents cannot be confidential. But we learned some stuff uh, in 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 the answering affidavit around where the thinking of the cabinet is at the moment, but also why the president thinks that the order to compel him to arrest Vladimir Putin should not be granted. Henny, I want you to uh, uh, listen and respond to this, to a precursor on why the order cannot be granted on the merits. Uh, Precursory, the uh, president says, as the Democratic Alliance itself acknowledges, the obligation to arrest and and surrender President Putin would arise only if President Putin comes to South Africa. President Putin is not presently in South Africa. No final decision has been taken that he will, in fact, come to South Africa. As things stand, there is therefore no 
cognizable legal cause that could ever ground a mandamus to arrest and surrender President Putin. Cabinet has determined that the BRICS summit will be held in a manner that ensures South Africa abides by its international and legal obligations. Discussions are being held to ensure that this takes place. An order cannot be granted on a speculative basis as the Democratic Alliance wishes. This must be the end of the application as the relief sort is incompetent, but it is necessary to correct the DA's misconception about the position of government. And this is what the president then says, Any, uh, The basis for the relief sought by the Democratic Alliance appears to be the respondent's alleged failure once the ICC issued its warrant of arrest to state unequivocally that it is bound to arrest Putin if he comes to South Africa. If the government is requested by the ICC to do so, the president then says the fundamental flaw in the Democratic Alliance's case is its assumption that once the ICC issued its warrant of arrest, South Africa had an obligation to make public uh, to make a public announcement that it would arrest Putin if he comes to South Africa. The government knows its obligations. It sees no need to announce this publicly. South Africa is obliged to treat as confidential how it intends to process the warrant of arrest. So effectively, Henny, the president argues here, one, you cannot uh, warrant, you cannot ask the court to grant a speculative order because there's no uh, determination that Putin's going to come. And secondly, we know what our duties are. We don't have to announce what we're going to do. What's your reading of that? Yeah, there might be merit in that argument that's premature. And I think what motivated the DA to, to, to sort of uh, go this route uh, was to prevent something similar to happen as in that Al-Bashir case. Um, you will recall that uh, in that case, uh, there was a court order to prevent Al-Bashir from leaving South Africa. And eventually he left South Africa with the assistance, presumably, of the government. And I think that, uh, that was uh, one of the incidents or a, a potential incident, a yeah. speed of that, that the DA wanted to prevent. But I think there is some merit in the argument that it's premature. So there's no obligation on the government to announce that it would arrest Putin if he came? There's no legal obligation at all? I don't think that the public announcement of that is a legal obligation. The legal obligation is to arrest if yeah. he sets foot on South African soil. That's the substance of the of the duty to to um, you know to to assist the court in bringing uh, people to justice, uh, people who are sort of persons who are facing uh, a warrant, a, a lawful warrant from yeah. the court. Yeah, that is the substance of the duty. Does it matter on uh, on a technical level that the Democratic Alliance in this instance is asking for a declaratory in the absence of a mandamus? Yeah, of course, there's a difference between a declaratory order and a mandamus. I mean, a mandamus will apply in the cases where there's a refusal by the government or a failure of the government to take a decision. Declaratory order is to bring certainty to a situation. Yeah. It's a huge difference. So a declaratory order would, tip, would typically be the case that if he does, you do have a legal obligation. Uh, but not a directive that if he does, you must arrest him. There's a slight, no, no, slight no, distinction no. in language there, it seems. Yes, of course. It's about the, if there is uncertainty, we want certainty that, okay, if he comes, that there is a duty to arrest. Yeah. Full stop. That's yeah. what the substance, as I understand the, 
the request for the declarative order is at this point in time. And yeah. again, I'm acting on the basis of media reports. Yes. Uh, when when the uh, when it was announced that the DI would bring an action of this kind. Yeah, and 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 uh, William, just your thoughts uh, very briefly on the argument that it owes the public no dis. Uh, uh, there's no legal obligation for the government to publicly announce what it intends on doing. Look, that I, d- I don't know enough about that to make an informed comment on. What I think is interesting is, is that when you read the president's uh, response, um, you know, one of the reasons they say they uh, they would have difficulty in arresting uh, President Putin is that uh, they've said that it would be a declaration of war. And yeah. Therefore, for South Africa to arrest the president would be putting the, you know the, the South African people at risk by effectively declaring war on the um, on the people of South Africa, you know, by going to war with Russia, which would clearly not be ideal by any stretch of the imagination. But again, that's, you know, you have to then raise the the question, well, is that, you know, not tantamount to uh, extortion that you're saying effectively, mm. if you do this, we will do this in response to it. Mm. And so I'm not sure that that's uh, necessarily a, a, an entirely convincing legal argument. But again, I think... The reality is, is that we're at least now able to see the arguments that government has made to the ICC about yeah. why they haven't. They, they also reference, you know, the peace in, the peace initiative, um, and another reason for why they would be unable to or not necessarily that excited about the idea of arresting uh, President Putin. And and the the thing is this is that uh, you know we're a multi-party democracy. We need to have these debates out in in public, debate them and have them mm. aired in court and, 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 and let the you know let let our democracy function in that way. So I think it is far better that the that we're aware of these things than leaving it to take place behind closed doors. Yeah. Um any does have, the does the threat have, to, I, Yes, yes, go I ahead any uh, quickly intervene on this uh, confidentiality issue. We must also know I think there's a sort of broader context within we must look at it. And which is worrisome from my point of view as well, uh, the confidentiality argument in this instance. And I'm talking about the Lady R incident. You will recall that um, there was an announcement by government to appoint some kind of a commission of inquiry into the matter. And it was clearly stated by the president that the outcome of that commission of inquiry will not be made public. So we will never know what happened there. So it is those kinds of developments, I think, which, uh, you know, places this this confidentiality argument now in this matter also within a a context which I think uh, clouds it, uh, the whole issue, and it makes it problematic. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time this evening, Henny Strait. I really, really do appreciate it. William Bird, appreciate your time as well this evening. Thank Thank you. you so much. Thank you. All the best.